Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. There's another proposal out. It's an interesting proposal and one that a lot of people were talking about. So stick around with us. We'll cover that and a few other things. Adam, how you doing? Lonely. Lonely? I yeah. miss the outside world. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear that. It's funny. The last 48 hours here, it like nonstop rained. And then the past, I don't know, four or five hours or so, there's been like zero clouds in the sky and it's like beautiful out. But there was a there was a while where you couldn't even step outside without getting drenched. Darn. Of course, we're all social distancing, too, so it's not like you could go many places. I did uh, the last weekend quickly stop by Wrigley Field, and it was kind of sad just knowing there should be baseball playing there. Yeah. It's empty. I feel that. It, it's just kind of eerie everywhere outside right now. It is. And when I walked around Wrigley Field, I don't know if you know, but um, for the listeners who don't know, it's being used right now to store a lot of like supplies that are needed uh, you know, for the current situation with COVID-19. And you look through the gates because you could see through the gates at Wrigley and you see all the boxes of supplies stacked up. There are trucks parked along the gates that transport the supplies. So, you know, the one comforting thing that I took from just visiting it last week was knowing that it was being put to good use. You know, it's, it's very important to help keep those sure. supplies safe and help get them out to the people in need. So, you know, that was a good thing to see. It still just stunk knowing that there should be baseball there and there isn't, but you know, everyone's health is first priority and the fact that they're utilizing it the way they are, um, you know, that's a good thing to see. You, you know what else is funny too, is when you walk around the park, when there's really nobody there, you kind of let yourself soak in just the history of it all because you're thinking, man, usually this place is packed and you think about all the people that have been here. I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but you kind of look at the ballpark and you, you kind of have one of those, if only these walls could talk kind of moments. And, you know, I know you're far away from Chicago, but if you ever get to Wrigley Field when there's no game going on, it's kind of cool going there when there's not a lot of people there. I'll check it out next time I'm in town. Which might not be for a while, unfortunately, but... Probably not, yeah. When was the last time you've been to Wrigley Field? Oh, it's been 10 years. Wow, so you haven't seen any of the updates in person. No, I have not. You know, if you go along both Clark and Addison, and you look at the hotel, and you look at, like, the park at Wrigley, the Gallagher Way, and then you look on the other side of Addison Street, and you see that, you know, big complex they built, I guarantee you, like, if you didn't actually know the ballpark was there, you probably wouldn't recognize it. The only thing that's really recognizable on the whole horseshoe side of the ballpark, and by that I mean the grandstands, um, is the Cubby Bear and vines right next to that because the other corners are completely different while most of Sheffield and Waveland have pretty much stayed the same, but it's very unrecognizable on the other, other areas. And you got to figure those businesses are hurting too at the current situation. Oh yeah. I'm sure they're hurting real bad. Uh, I mean, no college baseball right now too. And so, you know, I, I'm, I live fairly close to Omaha, Nebraska and, 
you know, not having the College World Series there is hurting those businesses down by TD Ameritrade Ballpark really badly. Uh, and, I mean, the, collectively, that area is just losing millions and millions of dollars. Uh, there's a, an article in the paper not that long ago about how some of those restaurants around that ballpark, the, the bulk of the revenue they make every year is from College World Series time. So oh, sure. It, it's, yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm sure similar, I'm sure similar things are happening to businesses around Wrigley right now too. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, okay, you have the long winter months where they don't get much business or some places even close, but you know, you're going to have a full summer's worth. Right. This is, I mean, games. for, for anybody in retail, you know, this baseball that this is like their Christmas season for right. business. Yeah. Right. Because if you go down just Clark, if you just go down Clark, if you go southeast when you're walking down Clark and you see all those bars and restaurants, because it's not like, oh, here's one bar, here's a park or a house or another restaurant down another block. Nope, it's it's bar after restaurant after restaurant after bar. I mean, right stacked right next to each other. That is a lot of business that is yeah. not getting the people. Yeah, this is this is make or break season for a lot of those restaurants. It's hopefully hopefully most of them survive. I you would hate to see them shut down, especially some of the big ones. I, I feel like I feel like Murphy's Bleachers has, you know, I, I really don't know, but it has such a big crowd that always gathers there. Hopefully that they'll be able to, you know, rebound. You'll have the Cubby Bear, you'll have Bernie's. Uh, you know, I really like vines. I'd hate to see vines go, but there are some places yeah. where you just scratch your head and you say, I don't know. Some of the mom and pop shops like Wrigley Dogs, uh, that's just north of the park. You know, we'll see what happens there. It, it's it's heartbreaking knowing that there's really nothing they can do about it. And some people's livelihoods are in those bars and restaurants. And, hey, yeah. you know, maybe they made so much money during the World Series month or so that they were able to save up for a while. Because I don't know if you remember, during the World Series, some of those bars charged like several hundred dollar uh, just walk-in fees just to get in. Yeah, and people I were there like that. five in the morning. <laughs> oh, if there was ever a time to party, that was it. Yeah, no kidding. You know, I... I unfortunately and maybe regrettably never made my way down to Wrigleyville during the World Series. Part of me thinks, you know what, I probably would have been claustrophobic anyway because there are so many people down there. And no way in heck I'd want to sit in a bar for like 14 hours before a game. But the other part of me wishes I could have kind of walked around and really soaked that whole atmosphere in because it was nothing like most living people had seen before. Yeah, a buddy of mine and I actually we talked about how we should have we should have at least just driven down to Chicago just to take in the atmosphere post World Series. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I did go to Wrigley Fields the weekend after they won, and it was just a gathering of Cub fans. It was such a big gathering around the ballpark, even like a week after they won, that you felt like there was a game going on that day. That's how many people were in Wrigleyville, just around the ballpark. And I think the most interesting thing about that whole experience was, you know, everyone was in a good mood. So people were talking to strangers. You were having conversations with strangers. And 
the people that you'd meet, these weren't just Cub fans from Chicago. These were the Cub fans coming in from all over the country to come to Wrigley Field after they won to to write with chalk on the wall or take a picture of the marquee with the champions label on it. Like, there were people from Oregon. There were people from Maine. There were people from Florida, New York. You name it, they were from there. That was what really stood out to me when I went to Wrigleyville after that. That'll happen when you're deprived of a championship for 100 years. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. I, I still have a ton of pictures of uh, the wall that was just covered in the, the chalk drawings and the writing and the artwork. That, I think, was one of the coolest things that you could have possibly done for the fans. Let them express their gratitude in their own artistic, unique way on the stadium. I think that's kind of cool. I agree. Okay, so going into quote-unquote news, we have a new possible MLB 2020 salvation proposal. It's unique, to say the least, but it might be the only thing that's possible at this point. Now, keep in mind, this is just the latest proposal. So nothing is set in stone. Nothing is even really laid out in detail. It's just kind of, here's the next idea. So what I took away and what most people took away were how they would align the divisions. Say goodbye to American League, National League, pretty much, because it would just be three divisions. East, West, and Central. Cubs would be in the central, so they would be with the White Sox, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Royals, the Reds, the Indians, the Twins, the Braves, and the Tigers. What's your initial reaction to that? Like, just being in that type of division. I mean, as far as whether I like it or not, or or how I think it affects the Cubs. Both. Both. Uh, I mean, this, uh, this, it's not ideal. I mean, if this is the only way to have a baseball season, then by all means, I'd rather have that than nothing. Um, I think, I think the Cubs chances of making the postseason are actually pretty good in this arrangement. I mean, I, I look at that central that the proposed central, uh, and, and really, I mean, the only teams that I see giving the Cubs a real run for their money as far as not finishing outside the top four. Uh, you know, I think the Braves are probably the best team there. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe the, you, the Twins, uh, Cardinals, Brewers. I mean, I there, there's a lot of teams there that I, I think are, are, you know, that they, they are not quite on the Cubs level. I, I look at that central and I, I feel good about the Cubs' chances of finishing in the top four there. See, I'm kind of weary because I think the Braves would have their way with the Cubs. I just, we've seen the way some of those hitters have hit against the Cubs. The Cardinals, you know, they're going to be a tough opponent no matter what, but I do think yeah. the Cubs can overcome them. The Cincinnati Reds, you know, I'm not. 100% on the Reds hype train, but let's face it, the Reds the past few years have given the Cubs fits. The Minnesota Twins, you know, they're a weird team that is up and they're down hard. every they're year. They're hard to read. Yeah. But, you know, I, I feel like one thing is certain about them. 
they're going to have a lot of home run power. Mm-hmm. And the Cubs, I just, the Cubs pitching staff against that lineup kind of worries me a little bit. It's a lot of home run power. The Indians, you know, they're not what they used to be, but, you know, I, I still think they're decently competitive. Yeah. The Brewers somehow will find a way. And look, we've had debates about the White Sox before. You know, I'm much higher than the White Sox than you are, but I don't know. I feel like the White Sox, that it's, lineup could do some damage against the Cubs. I, I I think the lineup could. I'm not really sold on the team as a whole, especially their rotation. Uh, I, I I feel good about the Cubs being in the top four of that bunch. I mean, there, there's really there's some bottom dwelling teams in that central that proposed Tigers central will be way down there. I mean this overall this is really it's going to make it seem like there's a lot of crappy teams in the MLB cuz I mean my god you look at the east and <laughs> it's I mean it's it's just a given I think I mean you, you know that the Marlins the Blue Jays the Pirates the Orioles uh, maybe even the Mets. Like, uh, those are all teams that are. Uh, you, I can almost guarantee you it, they're going to be terrible. I mean, and then you you look at the West and things are are maybe a little bit more up in the air. I mean, the Astros on paper are still a really strong team, but you know, given everything that's happened around that organization, it's hard to know exactly what they're going to do. Uh, you never really can tell what the Rockies are going to do one year. They're put, they have the firepower to contend and the next year, you know, that they, they don't. And then their pitching is always either mediocre or terrible. Yep. Who knows with the diamondbacks, the athletics are another real wild card of a team. That's, that's just hard to predict these past few seasons, the Padres, uh, you know, are they going to fizzle or are they they're going to live up to their up and coming status that they've got right now? So I think the, the the West is a little bit more of a shot in the dark than than the rest of this. The East the East is just so predetermined already. I think. I think uh, Yankees fans are dancing at this idea. Yeah, I mean, if this is if this is the way it's going to be, then the Yankee the Yankees fans they don't even have to watch the regular season. They can just. They can just set their alarm for the postseason and be ready to watch. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's it's interesting. I I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how fans are gonna enjoy it. But like I said, it's better than nothing, I suppose. Yeah, I think they take any base, including myself. I'd take any baseball over nothing. And- yeah. At least knowing that this proposal would just be for one year and not like in the future, because if this was the future, I'd say heck no to this. But if it's what brings us baseball, sure. Okay, so pick a division winner from each. East, I'm going Yankees. West, I think I'm going to go Dodgers. I think Houston will be right there. But I think the Dodgers are going to play with a bit of a chip on their shoulder, not only after the last few years of heartbreak, but really going after the Houston Astros. And frankly, I think right now the Dodgers are the most talented in that group. Yeah, you have some wild cards in there. I mean, I don't think the Giants are going to be very good. I don't think um, Sandy, I mean, San Diego, like you said, will they live up to their rebuilding expectations? Normally, I'd say maybe they have a chance to, but they didn't really do much in the offseason. And I think that when you have a young rebuilding team like that and things are kind of thrown out of whack, that could kind of set things back a little bit. 
The Diamondbacks, we'll see if they're still kind of that Cinderella-type team. So I'm going to go Dodgers there. Central, I'm tempted to pick the Braves. I just think the Braves are, like, the most talented. I mean, the Cubs have talent, but I think the Braves just right now have the right amount of talent. Um, that's who I'd go with in the Central. How, what about you? That's there. There's really nothing I can add to what you said. The, those were my three picks, and for all those reasons, wouldn't it be funny if it ends up being the Marlins, the Mariners, and the Royals somehow? I don't see how the Marlins even win seventy games. Yeah, the Marlins are going to be bad. They're uh, they're going to be. I think yeah. the Pirates. I, I actually think the Pirates might be worse. Call me crazy, but that Pirates team is pretty dang. I don't know if we're if we're looking if we're looking at that the proposed divisions. I I, I might go with the Orioles for for worst team among that bunch. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. They really they really are just like a half step above being a Triple A roster. Yeah, because if you actually look at some of the moves the Miami Marlins have made, they've picked up some solid veterans, nowhere near good enough to make them good. But they've but... at least got players you've heard of. Right, Whereas right. Whereas the, the Orioles, I mean, for for anybody listening, just Google the Orioles roster and just look at the names on that list, and I guarantee you you're not going to recognize like 80% of them. It's that bad in Baltimore. <laughs> I'm looking up their depth chart right now because... I know Trey Mancini. That's one name I know. That's the. I mean, Alex Cobb. I mean, unfortunately, though, Alex Cobb now is is his name is you know more uh, related to his his failure to live up to the contract than he yeah. did. There was there was some, a little bit of hype around him as when he was a free agent, and holy crap, he blew it in that first year with the the O's. But I mean, the rest of the. Wade LeBlanc. I, serious baseball fans probably have heard of Wade LeBlanc, but I mean, the re- Chris Davis Cole, is still Cole, rotting on the team. Cole Stewart, Tommy Malone, Hunter Harvey, Sean Armstrong. Nobody's heard of any of these guys. Their catcher, Pedro Severino, never heard of him. Hey, they have Jose Iglesias. <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, well, well, then maybe they'll be contenders. Yeah, right. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm looking at looking at this list of names, and uh, this these are all just a bunch of a bunch of guys I've never heard of. Tanner Scott, Evan Phillips. These all sound like like random, generic name generated players off a video game. Yeah, kind of like like. Uh, did you ever play NCAA football video games? You start like a franchise with a team, and it. You you do the auto names. That's what that's what the these Orioles guys sound like. Odie Carroll, Tanner Scott, Evan Phillips. These th- those are all the most generic sounding names you've ever heard. Yeah, I. Ugh. By the way, um, just want to say uh, quick prayers up to Trey Mancini because he has been diagnosed with colon cancer, so he is currently going through uh, treatment right now. It sounds like so. Uh, best wishes to that. him. Yeah, I didn't know that. I just I just saw that now. So best wishes to him. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary. But um back to what we were saying about the divisions. I also feel like there's certainly going to be no all-star game at this rate. 
I mean, you still could conceivably do one, but depending on when it starts, I just don't know when you do it. Yeah, I, I mean, th- that's one of those things where, you know, if, if they're going to have a season at all, that's probably, I would think, going to have to be part of the compromise is that there's not actually a game. Uh, you still, you know, you still name players as all-stars just just to, you know, attribute, you know, the, you know what they've accomplished over the season. But as far as having the actual game itself, I, I would be shocked if they actually had a game. Yeah, because for I sure. mean, if if they do decide to have a season, then all time is valuable now. They really that they, they, there is no, you know, there is no time for games like that that don't actually matter. I mean, they'd have to figure out a different way to determine home field for the World Series. Well, that's already gone. So that whole thing's already gone. If you remember, are they done with that? Yeah, they was that a recent thing. Yeah, I think it was. I think. The Cubs might have been one of the last teams to fall under that rule. I know they did. They recently did away with it, though. Okay, yeah, I, I vaguely remember that now. Well, you know, what's kind of funny is the fact that actually the National League losing the All Star Game in 2016 actually benefited the Cubs in the World Series. Yeah, you, you mentioned that. It, I never really thought about that, but you're right. Having Schwarber as the DH. And hey, they won three of their four World Series wins on the road. So, yeah, I think that worked out just fine, frankly. I mean, the Cubs, the way they've been built, they've always been kind of built to benefit from that kind of thing. So, yeah, that that was a nice loss by the NL in 2016. Good job, guys. Perfect. See, it was destiny. It was absolute destiny. Speaking of destiny, um, the other day on Twitter, somebody was posting a picture from, I think it was ESPN, the magazine, one of the magazines, or was it, it, it might have been Sports Illustrated, I can't remember which, but it was a picture of the 2016 Cubs in spring training, basically kind of saying, hey, this is the team trying to break the curse. And they hyped this team up so much before they did, quote-unquote, break the curse. I just, looking back at that, remembering how that story started from day one of the 2016 camp season. All the hype, everything from spring training to Dexter Fowler coming back. It just, it truly felt like it was destiny that year. It really did. You saw... Such a hungry young team just chased their destiny, and it was great. And just looking back at the last few years, just kind of a bummer that we didn't really feel that. You really really think about it when you look back at it. Yeah, yeah. In hindsight, it was like it was written to be a Disney movie or something. I mean, it pretty much ended like one. That whole Game 7 was pretty much Hollywood. Yep. It had a lot of the cliches in it. It just... Uh, I, I miss that feeling. I miss that feeling of confidence. I miss that feeling of this team can take on anything. Because you, the next year, when they were the defending champs, the focus was really on them being the defending champs, not really chasing anything. 
It's just like, yeah, we're the champs. We're the defending champs. Let's play ball. Yeah, it was a little bit of a deflating feeling the following year. It's, I think everybody goes, every fan base that that their team wins a championship, I think they all go through that where you just you've got that post championship drought, and you know it, it's it's hard to. I think it's hard to get hyped up about it when you are the defending champs and. You know, I mean, especially in our case, when it's over a hundred years, mm-hmm. that feeling is so exaggerated by by the but you know at the point that we were at, it, it was so severely exaggerated for us that hunger that you know once we actually achieved it, yeah, you're right. It was like, well, now what? Right. It's. You wanted more, obviously. You hoped you could win yeah. more, but obviously the whole narrative was gone. Yeah, because you beat the narrative. Yeah, it's just you know, just like as soon as you you finally reach the top of the mountain, there, there's no adrenaline left because there's just no more climbing left to do. You that first half. Remember when they finished the first half sub five hundred and they just limped, bloodied, and beaten into the All Star break. Mm-hmm. I th- I think that was as definition of a hangover as you can get. Oh, for sure. That all-star break was like the cup of coffee and cold glass of water to the face to cure the hangover because they came out of the gates blazing after that. And you know what? I think the 2017 second half, that was so much fun. Because you were in this exciting playoff race with the Brewers and the Cardinals, and yet you felt more relaxed because you didn't have to climb that mountain. You were just kind of enjoying the ride as it was going into the postseason. Because it's like, let's just see how long these guys can go. The pressure is not on like it once was. They broke that curse. If they didn't win the World Series the year before, it'd be a lot different. But in that case felt much more relaxed in that second half and it was much easier to enjoy. Yeah, I completely agree. Just just talking about this just makes me realize how much I miss sports in general right now. I know. I mean, we we spent all this time worried about whether or not the Cubs would be good this season and now I'm at the point where I just would give anything just to see them at all. Even just to watch them losing some games would would I would do a lot of things for that right now. I'd watch the 2012 Cubs if it meant mm-hmm. watching live baseball. Yeah. Steve Clevenger batting in a big situation, having Justin Germano on the mound. Yeah, I'd take that. Because I, I mean, tell you what, that sports channels are, are getting really hard to watch right now because it, it's just the same stories recycled over and over and over again. Uh, it's It's basically... Basically, just the same three things: Tom Brady uh, discussing Michael Jordan, uh, and what was the other one? There was another one I was thinking of. I can't remember it. Mostly, mostly those two things, I guess. It, they they dissect what what uh, Michael Jordan stuff from the documentary, and they keep talking about Tom Brady too. And I'm getting kind of sick of it. It's just the same stuff every single day. Well, it was like with the NFL draft last week, that was such a fresh breath of mm. air to desperate sports fans. Yeah. People gobbled it up. Yeah. 
it wasn't even a game. It was just the draft. But people were so desperate for a big sport event that I think the ratings were like off the charts compared to other years. And the NFL draft is a big deal as it is. Yeah. Yeah, it always is. That's, you know, people, for for it not being an actual sporting Event, you know, athletic event. You know, people people have parties for it and stuff like they mm-hmm. do for the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a big deal for a lot for a lot of fans. The only thing you didn't really have this year was the fans going to the draft itself, mm-hmm. buying tickets, sitting in there. But everyone who usually goes, you know, they were still obviously watching. And I bet some of them had like their kind of own quarantine party in a way. I I've seen people have just these all out parties for some of these drafts. I know somebody um, who does an NBA draft party. So when that kind of thing happens, especially now, people will just eat it up as much as they can because it's the only thing that's new, that we're getting yeah. that's new. Yeah. It's not replays. It's not film. It's brand new. And, and you know, people were wishing that it could have gone a little longer just because they miss sports so much. I mean, that's where we're at right now. Yeah, we're, we really are all just completely starved for anything sports related. Man, I just, I'd go to Wrigley Field, buy a front row seat if they said, all right, we're going to somehow have a live event, but it's going to be the 2012 Cubs. Today's pitcher is going to be Chris Birkin. The catcher is going to be Steve Clevenger with the backup of Coy Hill. Uh, we'll have Rizzo at first base. We'll have Darwin Barney at second, Castro at short, Louis Valbuena at third, uh, old man Soriano and his broken knees in left field. Center field, you have David DeJesus. And right field, you had you know, whoever, Joe Mather out there. I don't care. I would watch that gladly. <laughs> oh, me gladly. too. Me too. Give me anything. Did I ever tell you the story about how my college friends and I, our freshman year, we went to the Cubs-Astros game at the end of 2012 when they were both officially 100 lost teams? No. It was like the worst matchup in baseball in the past like 50 years, and we were there. That's awesome. In the the bleachers on a cool, kind of misty night. Miserable. Miserable game. 3-0 loss. The 100 lost Cubs lost to like the 110 lost Astros. It was ugly, but it was also fabulous. That's awesome. That's <laughs> was... that really is cool. <laughs> oh my goodness! The the section under because we were sitting in the bleachers, we were sitting in the left field corner, like not right in the corner by the foul pole, but you know where the well is, where that curvature is. Yeah, yeah. we were sitting like right in there. And, you know, you look around at the bleachers and you're like, okay, the wings are pretty full. But when you look at the upper deck of the grandstand and you look at the upper level underneath the big scoreboard and center, there was like nobody up there. There was maybe like 30,000 people there, which for some some ballparks, that'd be pretty good. But for the Cubs, it was pretty empty. Maybe there was a little less than that, but... It definitely wasn't full. I, I respect it. I tell you, baseball baseball needs fans like you guys to soldier on and go to those games, even when they mean absolutely nothing. You know, I went to like six games that year in 2012 just because it was easier for us to get tickets. And they actually had a winning record. I saw more wins than losses. 
But then I was two and six at Wrigley Field the year they won the World Series. Two and six at Wrigley when they won 103 yeah. games, and yet I was like five and three when they you're, lost 101. Your overall record is is not good. Am I right? Just based on what I've seen on Twitter, I I would venture to guess that their win rate when you are in attendance is below 50 percent. It's weird because when I was a little kid, they always won. Then they started to lose a bit. Then they started to win more. And then when they got good, like they did win some games in 2015. I went to, but like 2016, 2017, and most of 2018, that was just a chunk where they just lost and lost and lost like at the peak, at the absolute peak of their success. Then last year, I, I was 3-0 and last year, and they didn't okay. make the playoffs. Okay. But there, there was that stretch where they never won when I went. Well, I would say uh, maybe you should stay away from Wrigley then from now on, huh? That's what everyone's been saying, and I don't like it. I was 3-0 and last year. Leave me well, alone. Yeah, and it's not about whether you like it. It's, it's, it's about You have to think about more than yourself here. <laughs> oh, this is bigger yes. than you i'm selfish for going to cubs game you Shame are. on me. you know i have another funny 2012 cubs story to tell you so i was at within a week i was at one win one loss it was like late july early august the win was against the cardinals and back in 2012 when the cubs are really bad I'm sure you can imagine why, but would scalp their tickets to the visiting fans. They'd sit outside Wrigley Field and scalp away to the people that came in. And this win against the Cardinals, um, you know, it was a it was a nice game. They won like three to two. It was either three to two or four to three. But oh my god, it it was like half Cardinals fans there, dude. (laughs) Oh no. There was a lot of red. Oh, I can only imagine what that was like. Because I just remember walking up to Wrigley Field, and I just look around me, all around the marquee, it was like all red. I'm like, wow. You always expect Cardinal fans to show up, as Cub fans show up to St. Louis when they play there, but holy cow. I've been to a number of Cubs Cardinals games. I'd never seen an invasion quite like that. And we sat in the upper deck and the Cardinals scored a run in the first inning. And it, it kind of felt like we were in St. Louis when they scored. It was just, oh my, ugh. Yikes. Imagine being in a stadium where your rival is taking up a lot of the action and like the atmosphere. Yeah, nuts. Doesn't sound pleasant. But then a week later, we saw the loss against the Pirates. And that was when the Cubs almost got no hit. That was when A.J. Burnett brought a no-hitter against the Cubs in the eighth inning. And somebody named Adrian Cardenas, who came up from AAA, broke up the no-hitter. And everyone <laughs> cheered really loud. And then everyone left because <laughs> they were down 8 to nothing. See, see, the, the, those are the kind of memories that that I, I would remember really fondly, even more so than than all the, the victories, things like that. Just, any anything that that gets a laugh out of people. Yeah, because I think it was, it might have been with like one out in the eighth, 
here comes this guy, Adrian Cardenas. Nobody knew who he was. And he just rips a single in the right field. And it was like the loudest cheer of the night. <laughs> just a bullet in the right field. It was like on the first pitch, too, I think. He, he just nice. ripped it. Heck but, yes. But part of me, there was a small part of me thinking, man, I almost saw a no-hitter. Because at that, that point... That would have been cool. Yeah, I mean, at that point, they were down 8 nothing. They weren't going to win anyway. But at the, at the same time, I'm like, I don't want my team to get no hit. We had that streak going for us, which died against Cole Hamels. Right, yeah, but that was an infuriating game to watch. I watched that whole one on TV, and that Me was... Too. That was beyond frustrating well you remember the final out chris bryant gave it a ride the philly center fielder slipped on the warning track and he still just mm-hmm. last minute caught it yeah because off the bat i thought that had a chance to get out it's every every single no it seems like every no hitter ever there's a play like that yeah yeah there just is a miraculous save yeah, you remember Mark Burley's perfect game, that catch up against the wall yeah. that was your main guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think, too, if I remember correctly from that Hamels no-hitter, that was also where it might have been, I don't think it was the ninth, but it might have been the eighth. David Ross ripped one into right center field, and off the bat, it looked like a for-sure gapper, and then it just stayed in the air long enough that, the Philly center fielder or left fielder. I can't remember who, but it stayed up long enough where he had plenty of time to just kind of ballerina tiptoe over to where the uh, spot of the ball was going to land and catch it with ease. When off the bat, it looked like it was going to be a no doubt gapper. Vaguely remember. Well, that, that was an Arietta start, too, and that was right in the middle of his his dominant like performance. When he was, season. yeah. And early in the game, he gave up a three-run home run to the corpse of Ryan Howard. Oh, man, yeah, and Howard, boy, he he really, he his career really hit a wall. It was, it was kind of sad the way Ryan Howard's career ended. I know. I mean, he, was, he really just fell off the face of the planet. His early days... He looked like he was going to be the next generational talent. Mm-hmm. He looked like a for sure lock for the Hall of Fame the way he started his first like five years. And then, yeah, yeah. I mean, you talk about just falling off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty bad. I, I, I've always kind of felt bad for him. At least he was able to win an MVP in a World Series. You can always yeah. look back at I that. I mean, I, I still... I still say that those those Phillies teams, I think, were among the most fun to watch ever, as far as in my lifetime, anyway. Which is not a lot, but but you know that those those were some really stacked teams, and just watching all those players to go Chase Utley and, and Jimmy Rollins all together in their prime, th- that Phillies team was was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you had a buttload of talent on that. Yeah. You had Jason you Worth had a, was, was yeah. there too, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah Jason Worth, Carlos Ruiz in his prime. Mm. Yep. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Rollins, that guy was a heck of a player. Yeah. And you had Brad Lidge when he was really good that one year in 2008 when he got the save. He was really good that year. And then later on, you had a rotation of Cole Hamels, Cliff Lee, and Roy Halladay. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that what a stacked roster, man. And it's a you, you just you look at those rosters from like 2007 to like 2013, 2014, and you ask yourself, man, how did they only win one World Series? True. I mean, we're, we'll be hopefully not saying the same thing about the Cubs. But, I know, but it, I feel like they're headed in that direction as well. I know what you mean. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, maybe. 30 years from now, people will say, man, the Cubs, they had Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, John Lester, all in their primes, and they only won one World Series. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, I'm just going to say, I know his career's not over, but this is going to be a football comparison. I I look at at all those years of Aaron Rodgers' prime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's funny you bring that up, too, because I, I've heard this a lot because one, one of my good friends is a diehard Packers fan. Yeah. I'm just going to say this. The 20 years of the 21st century, I mean, 19 seasons. I mean, it's been 20 years, 19 NFL seasons. I'm just going to say it. Take it as you will. The Packers had combined Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers since 2000, right? Yeah. Yeah. They've been to the Super Bowl the same number of times as a Rex Grossman led Bears team. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 hard to look at all those Packers teams and and not just immediately think underachievers. Well, I mean the way I see it is is they've had a lot of pretty mediocre teams that have just had to be carried it, by Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, just the just the way they shape those teams around their quarterbacks is terrible. I mean, just Looking back on, like you said, last 20 years, you've had just Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, two legends, two of the all-time greats in the game, and only two Super Bowls? That's a yikes. I mean, as a Bears fan, I'd kill to have a Super Bowl in recent years, but I mean, you look at the Packer team that won in 2010, that was a legit good team. They had a really good defense that year. Um, You know, I'll always be sour about how they beat us to get to the Super Bowl but you know that's yeah. either here or there but I mean when he won that Super Bowl I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers on the rise I'm thinking my god this is going to be the next NFL dynasty right here it's yeah. going to be behind this guy I can't remember the tweet exactly but there was there was some list about legendary quarterbacks and how many touchdowns they've thrown to first round players, first oh, round yeah. players, yeah. and all these guys, you know, like Manning, Brady, and and other quarterbacks in the league, they've they've all got double digits or close to double digits, and then you got Aaron Rodgers, and it's one, yeah. and I can't even remember the name of the guy because it was it was a bust. Yeah, I don't remember him either. I I don't. It, really it was is a total no name guy as far as first rounders go. It, right. I remember looking at the guy's name and just thinking, I, I've not, I've never even heard of this guy. Yeah, unlike when you see, oh, Tom Brady throwing a Randy Moss. It's like you have two of the goats right there. Yeah, but God, the the, the Packers. I just, I can't. The way they've screwed this up. You, you've got, you've got one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. 
and you just continually you continuously give him nothing to work with. Yeah, I I know Packer. If Packer fans, if you're listening to this, go ahead. You could rip the Bears all you want. We suck, but yeah, I'm just they're 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 like the Angels of the well, not even because the Angels don't go to the postseason but right the Packers always it 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 reminds me the Rodgers situation reminds me of the Angels wasting trout right it's just not as to a big of a degree because the Packers have made the playoffs most years under him Mm -hmm. I mean you had some cases like 2014 where they should have won the Super Bowl but they gagged away the championship then you had years like last year where like they were clearly not yeah, that was like the worst 13 and 3 season I've ever seen. I mean, I mean, if you're a Packers fan, maybe you fooled yourself into believing that it was a special year, but I think for I think the average person watching could see like that this is such a fraudulent 13 and 3 season happening right here. I mean, you saw the difference between the 49ers and the Packers. That yeah. Oh, they matched yeah. up each other twice, and both times the 49ers just steamrolled them mercilessly. Yeah, it, it just seemed like in almost all of their 13 wins, too, that they just were kind of barely squeaking by, too. Like yeah. They, they could have easily went like 7-9 and nine or something. Yeah, I mean, they needed overtime to beat the Lions in Week 17. Yeah, the Lions. Who? What? What did they end up winning? Like three games. Yeah, they had David Blau was their quarterback. Oh, and they had to go to overtime. God, imagine being a Lions fan. Yeah, I mean the Bears are bad, but not that bad. <laughs> they wasted Barry Sanders uh, and Cal and, of, and, and Calvin Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, they both yeah. quit. Yeah, they man. They both quit. The theme of this show is is just organizations wasting generational talent. Hey, yesterday was Jonathan Taze's birthday. They got three championships <laughs> under his reign so far. They didn't waste his. They should have won four, though, but that's that's not really their fault. But at least they didn't waste that. Yeah. Bulls didn't waste Jordan. Blackhawks didn't win Kane and Taze. I'm worried the Cubs are wasting a lot of the primes of Bryant yeah. and Javi, especially well, when they have. We don't know how long they're going to have that. At least one is better than none. True, and it's not a total waste if, if that's if this is all they get. It wasn't. At least it wasn't a total waste. Right. You could say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers. I mm-hmm. mean, if he only yeah. gets one, one is better than none. Same with yeah. Brett Favre. One is better well, than none. Well, I mean, in, in the Bears have in Aaron Rodgers' case. I mean, it's it's you know. A quarterback going into his mid to late 30s isn't totally uncommon, especially when they're superstars. But for baseball players, like, I mean, I don't think anyone expects Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo to be, you know, playing at the same level when they're like 37 or 38 years old. So that maybe the just the window seems a little smaller in baseball. Well, especially now, because you feel like baseball is more and more of a youth type thing where just Uh the youngest players are the stars. And, you know, I wrote an article just this weekend about thinking about how much prime years Rizzo has left because, you know, he's not old. But when you hit the 30 mark, that's when you hit kind of that. Well, how much longer does he have? Because one thing you can say Mm -hmm. is he's not young anymore. He's not. And the reason why it may question Anthony Rizzo a little more about how much time he has left is because you kind of worry about the back problems. Right. So what I said in the article personally was 
I think that he's got a good solid maybe two to four years of putting up the same numbers he's putting up right now. Then you're going to see things dip a little bit. Not go bad, but start to dip. You'll see less games being played. More time he's going to have to sit out with the back. Some of the numbers go down a little bit. But I think in terms of prime years, he's got a good maybe two, three, four years left after 2020. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it's the talent is not the is not the problem. It's no big, bo- big body, bad back, getting older, and you know that, that stuff goes undefeated, unfortunately. Other time, still undefeated. Always will be undefeated. Yeah. Grr. All right. Well, I don't know if you have anything else you want to talk about, but I think we're at a good spot where we could wrap up this week's episode. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank Adam for coming on. A reminder, you can check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com. Also, be sure to check out their Facebook page and their Twitter page where they post all their content. You can also listen to this podcast and other episodes on iTunes.com. So until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.